Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our daily reading conference call on A Course in Miracles, Original Edition. We read from the text of A Course in Miracles, Original Edition, which is published by our dear friends at the Course in Miracles Society. You can access an online copy of the original edition by going to jcim.net where if you mouse over the link at the top of the page for online edition, you will see the link to read ACIMOE. On that same top drop-down menu, there is also a link to subscribe to an excellent daily email sent to you by the Course in Miracles Society, which contains both the workbook lesson and text reading for the day. My name is Lemoyne Castle, and this call happens for and with you every weekday morning, Monday through Friday, from about 9.15 to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Today we're concluding our reading in Chapter 28, The Undoing of Fear, with Section 8, The Beautiful Relationship. And uh, at the top of the hour, we will pause to touch in with our lesson for the day, which is Lesson 303, The Holy Christ is Born in Me Today. So I ask you, Laurie, uh, do you have one of your Excellent noetic openings for the call this morning. I do, Lemoyne, and I'm so happy for all of the poetry in the book, The Gifts of God by Helen Schuckman. But this one especially um, seems to reflect today's lesson to me today. It's called The Call of Christ. We have a real relationship, the Christ and I. He shines on me from every face and every flower brings his grace. I call to him when I forget and he remembers and will let me have his thoughts instead of mine. And in his face I see the sign of resurrection and release, of perfect holiness and peace. All that I see in him I see with equal certainty in me. He lives in our relationship, and so do I. The Holy Christ is born in me today. Amen. Well, that was perfect. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Excellent. I'm very grateful. Very grateful for all the poetry in Helen's book, The Gifts of God. Unquestionably beautiful. I'm glad I could bring it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much, Lord. 
Well, this morning, um, I'm a participant with, I have with us and um, listening, I have Ida and Judy with us and uh, reading. I trust also listening. I have Lori, Harrison, Bran, Robin Marie, Karen, and Sandra. Is there anyone else who's joined the call who would like to say good morning? Hi, Lamoine. It's Robin Marie, and I'm just going to be listening. I'm not quite yet. I'm on vacation, but I'm just listening to you guys and getting what I Thanks. Sorry if I reported that wrong. All right. All right, great. Okay. Thought I heard another tone there, but is it someone returning? Okay, I will go ahead and get us started then. With the conclusion to Chapter 28, The Undoing of Fear, in Section 8, The Beautiful Relationship. God asks for nothing, and his son, like him, need ask for nothing, for there is no lack in him. An empty space, a little gap, would be a lack. And it is only there that he could want for something he has not. A space where God is not, a gap between the Father and the Son is not the will of either, who have promised to be one. God's promise is a promise to himself, and there is no one who could be untrue to what he wills as part of what he is the promise that there is no gap between himself and what he is cannot be false what will can come between what must be one and in whose wholeness there can be no gap Maury Um, chapter 28 the undoing of fear Section 8, The Beautiful Relationship. God asks for nothing, and his son, like him, need ask for nothing, for there is no lack in him. An empty space, a little gap would be a lack, and it is only there that he could want for something he has not. A space where God is not... A gap between the Father and the Son is not the will of either who have promised to be one. God's promise is a promise to himself, and there is no one who could be untrue to what he wills as part of what he is. The promise that there is no gap between himself and what he is cannot be false. What will can come between what must be one and in whose wholeness there can be no gap. The beautiful relationship you have with all your brothers 
is a part of you because it is a part of God himself. Are you not sick if you deny yourself your wholeness and your health, the source of help, the call to healing, and the call to heal? Your Savior waits for healing, and the world waits with him. Nor are you apart from it, for healing will be one or not at all. It's oneness being where the healing lies. What could correct for separation but its opposite? There is no middle ground in any aspect of salvation. You accept it wholly or you accept it not. What is unseparated must be joined, and what is joined cannot be separate. Thank you, Lori and Harrison. Sixty-one. The beautiful relationship you have with our real brothers is a part of you because it is a part of God himself. Are you not sick if you deny yourself your wholeness and your health? The source of health, the call to heal and the call to heal. Your Savior waits for healing and the world waits with him. Nor are you apart from it. For healing will be one or not at all. It's one as being where the healing lies. What could correct for separation, but it's opposite. There is no middle ground in any aspect of salvation. You accept it wholly or accept it not. What is unseparated must be joined, and what is joined cannot be Separate. 62. Either there is a gap between you and your brother, or you are as one. There is no in between, no other choice, and no allegiance to be split between the two. A split allegiance is but faithlessness to both and merely sets you spinning round to grasp uncertainty at any straw that seems to hold some promise of relief. Yet, who can build his home upon a straw? and counting it as shelter from the wind. The body can be made a home like this because it lacks foundation in the truth. And yet, because it does, it can be seen as not your home, but 
but merely as an aid to help you reach the home where God abides. Thank you, Harrison. And Fran. 62. Either there is a gap between you and your brother, or you are as one. There is no in-between, no other choice, and no allegiance to be split between the two. A split allegiance is but faithlessness to both, and merely sets you spinning round to grasp uncertainly at any straw that seems to hold some promise of relief. Yet who can build his home upon a straw and count on it as shelter from the wind? The body can be made a home like this because it lacks foundation in the truth. And yet, because it does, it can be seen as not your home, but merely as an aid to help you reach the home where God abides. 63. With this as purpose is the body healed. It is not used to witness to the dream of separation and disease, nor is it idly blamed for what it did not do. It serves to help the healing of God's Son, and for this purpose it cannot be sick. It will not join a purpose not your own, and you have chosen that it not be sick. All miracles are based upon this choice and given you the instant it is made. No forms of sickness are immune because the choice cannot be made in terms of form. The choice of sickness seems to be a form, yet it is one as is its opposite, and you are sick or well accordingly. Thank you, Fran. And Karen. 63. We'll go back one sentence. And yet, because it does, it can be seen as not your home, but merely as an aid to help you reach the home where God abides. 63. With this as purpose is the body healed. It is not used to witness to the dream of separation and disease, nor is it idly blamed for what it did not do. It serves to help the healing of God's Son, and for this purpose, it cannot be sick. It will not join a purpose not your own, and you have chosen that it not be sick. All miracles are based upon this choice, and giving you the instant it is made. No forms of sickness are immune, because the choice cannot be made in terms of form. The choice of sickness seems to be a form, yet it is one, as is its opposite. And you are sick or well accordingly. 64. But never you alone. This world is but the dream that you can be alone and think without affecting those apart from you. Be alone must mean you are apart. And if you are, you cannot but be sick. This seems to prove that you must be apart, 
Yet all it means is that you tried to keep a promise to be true to faithlessness. Yet faithlessness is sickness. It is like the house set upon the straw. seems to be quite solid and substantial in itself, yet its stability cannot be judged apart from its foundation. If it rests on straw, there is no need to bar the door and lock the windows and make fast the bolts. The wind will topple it and rain will come and carry it into oblivion. Thank you, Karen. And Sandra. <clears throat> Excuse me. 64. But never you alone. This world is but the dream that you can be alone and think without affecting those apart from you. To be alone must mean you are apart. And if you are, you cannot be but be sick. This seems to prove that you must be apart. Yet all it means is that you tried to keep a promise to be true to faithlessness. Yet faithlessness is sickness. It is like the house set upon straw. It seems to be quite solid and substantial in itself. Yet its stability cannot be judged apart from its foundation. If it rests on straw, there is no need to bar the door and lock the windows and make fast the bolts that wind will topple it. Sorry, the wind will topple it and rain will come and carry it into oblivion. 65. What is the sense in seeking to be safe in what was made for danger and for fear? Why burden it with further locks and chains and heavy anchors when its weakness lies not in itself but in the frailty of the little gap of nothingness whereon it stands? What can be safe which rests upon a shadow? Would you build your home upon what will collapse beneath a featherweight? Thank you, Sandra. And is there a new reader for 65 and 66? I would love to do it, Lemoyne. Thank you. What is the sense in seeking to be safe in what was made for danger and for fear? Why burden it? with further locks and chains and heavy anchors, when its weakness lies not in itself, but in the frailty of the little gap of nothingness whereon it stands. What can be safe which rests upon a shadow? Would you build your home upon what will collapse beneath a feather's weight? Your home is built upon your brother's health, upon his happiness, his sinlessness, and everything his father promised him. No secret promise you made 
have made instead has shaken the capital foundation of his home. The winds will blow upon it, and the rain will beat against it, but with no effect. The world will wash away, and yet this house will stand forever, for its strength lies not within itself alone. It is an ark of safety, resting on God's promise that his son is safe forever in himself. What gap can interpose itself between the safety of this shelter and its source? From here, the body can be seen as what it is, and neither less nor more in worth than the extent to which it can be used to liberate God's Son unto his true home. And with this holy purpose is it made a home of holiness a little while because it shares your God, your Father's will with you. Amen. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, Judy. And is there another new reader for 66? Morning, this is Charles. I can do it. Okay, um, let's go with uh, let's go with uh, Charles and then Mindy. Go ahead, Charles. Thank you. 66. Your home is built upon your brother's health and upon his happiness, his sinlessness, and everything his father promised him. No secret promise you have made instead has shaken the foundation of his home. The winds will blow upon it and the rain will beat against it but with no effect. The world will wash away, and yet this house will stand forever. For strength lies not within itself alone. It is an ark of safety, resting on God's promise that his son is safe forever in himself. What gap can interpose itself between the safety of this shelter and its source? From here the body can be seen as what it is, and neither less nor more in worth than the extent to which it can be used to liberate God's Son unto his home. With this holy purpose, it is made a home of holiness a little while because it shares your Father's will with you. Thank you, Charles. And Mindy. 66. Your home is built upon your brother's health upon his happiness, his sinlessness, 
and everything his father promised him. No secret promise that you have made instead has shaken the foundation of his home. The winds will blow upon it and the rain will beat against it, but with no effect. The world will wash away and yet this house will stand forever. For its strength lies not within itself alone. It is an ark of safety, resting on God's promise that his son is safe forever in himself. What gap can interpose itself between the safety of this shelter and its source? From here, the holy, excuse me, from here, the body can be seen as what it is and neither less nor more in worth than the extent to which it can be used to liberate God's Son unto his home. And with this holy purpose is it made a home of holiness a little while because it shares your Father's will with you. Thank you, Mindy. And uh, that concludes the reading of the beautiful relationship. And this section's short enough, we could uh, read it again, if you like. Or um, I'm all in. Sounds good to me. Good night, Yes, sir. There's three, four. Anyone not in or a new reader would like to to join in rereading it? Alrighty then. Um let's see. Let me go ahead and do what we like to do, reverse the reverse the list here. So um let's just read one paragraph each. And so um Mindy, would you get us started with the title and sixty? Yes, I will. Just give me a moment to scroll up to that. Thank you. Appreciate that. Okay. Text reading. Here it is. Thank you for your patience. Chapter 28, The Undoing of Fear. Section 8, The Beautiful Relationship. Paragraph 60. God asks for nothing, and his son, like him, need ask for nothing, for there is no lack in him. An empty space, a little gap, would be a lack, and it is only there that he could want for something he has not. A space where God is not 
A gap between the Father and the Son is not the will of either, who have promised to be one. Let me say that one more time. A space where God is not, a gap between the Father and the Son is not the will of either, who have promised to be one. God's promise is a promise to himself, and there is no one who could be untrue to what he wills as part of what he is. The promise that there is no gap between himself and what he is cannot be false. What will can come between what must be one and in whose wholeness there can be no gap? I'm going to repeat that one more time. What will can come between what must be one and in whose wholeness there is no gap. Thank you, Mindy. And Charles. Thank you, Mindy. The beautiful relationship you have with all your brothers is a part of you because it is a part of God himself. Are you not sick if you deny yourself, your wholeness, and your health? The source of help, the call to healing, and the call to heal your Savior awaits for healing. And, and the world waits with him. Nor are you apart from it. For healing will be one or not at all. It's oneness being where the healing lies. What could correct for separation? separation, but it's opposite. There is no middle ground in any aspect of salvation. You accept it wholly or accept it not. What is unseparated must be joined. And what is joined cannot be separate. Thank you, Charles and Judy. What is unseparated must be joined, and what is joined cannot be separate. Either there is a gap between you and your brother, or you are as one. There is no in-between. There is no in-between, no other choice, no allegiance to be split, between two or the two, <laughs> a split allegiance is but faithlessness to both and merely sets you spinning around to grasp uncertainly at any straw that seems to hold some promise of relief. Yet who can build his home upon a straw and count on it as shelter from the wind? The body can be made a home like this because it lacks foundation in the truth. And yet, 
because it does, it can be seen as not your home, but merely as an aid to help you reach the home where God abides. Thank you, Judy. Sixty-three. <clears throat> With this as purpose is the body healed. It is not used to witness to the dream of separation and disease, nor is it idly blamed for what it did not do. It serves to help the healing of God's Son, and for this purpose it cannot be sick, and for this purpose it cannot be sick. It will not join a purpose not your own. When you have chosen that it not be sick, all miracles are based upon this choice and given you the instant it is made. No forms of sickness are immune because the choice cannot be made in terms of form. The choice of sickness seems to be a form, yet it is one as its opposite, and you are sick or well accordingly. Thank you, Sandra and Karen. But never you alone. This world is but the dream that you can be alone and think without affecting those apart from you. To be alone must mean you are apart, and if you are, you cannot but be sick. This seems to prove that you must be apart, yet all it means is that you tried to keep a promise to be true to faithlessness. Yet faithlessness is sickness. It is like the house set upon straw. It seems to be quite solid and substantial in itself, yet its stability cannot be judged apart from its foundation. If it rests on straw, there is no need to bar the door and lock the windows and make fast the bolts. The wind will topple it, and rain will come and carry it into oblivion. Thank you, Karen and Fran. 65. What is the sense in seeking to be safe in what was made for danger and for fear? Why burden it with further locks and chains and heavy anchors when its weakness lies not in itself, but in the frailty of the little gap of nothingness wherein it stands? What can be safe which rests upon a shadow? Would you build your home upon what will collapse beneath a feather's weight? Thank you, Fran. And Harrison. Your home is built upon your brother's help, upon his happiness, his sinlessness, and everything his father promised him. No secret promise you have made instead has shaken the foundation of his home. The winds will blow upon it, 
and the rain will beat against it, but with no effect. The world will wash away, and yet this house will stand forever. For strength lies not within itself alone. It is an ark of safety, resting on God's promise that his son is safe forever in him, in himself. What gap can interpose itself between the safety of this shelter and its source? From here, the body can be seen as what it is and neither less nor more in worth than the extent to which it can be used to liberate God's Son unto his home. And with this holy purpose is it made a home of holiness a little while because it shares your Father's will with you. Thank you. Thank you, Harrison. And just for completeness, Lori, would you like to repeat 66? Oh, sure. Thanks, Lemoyne. Your home is built upon your brother's health, upon his happiness, his sinlessness, and everything his father promised him. No secret promise you've made instead of shaking the foundation of his home. The winds will blow upon it, the rain will beat against it, but with no effect. The world will wash away, and yet this house will stand forever. For its strength lies not within itself alone. It is an ark of safety, resting on God's promise that his son is safe forever in himself. What gap can interpose itself between the safety of this shelter and its source? From here, the body can be seen as what it is, and neither more nor less in worth than the extent to which it can be used to liberate God's Son unto his home. And with this holy purpose is it made of a home of holiness a little while because it shares your Father's will with you. Amen. Thanks. Amen. Amen. Lemoyne, would you like to read it too? Well, sure. Your home is built upon your brother's health, 
upon his happiness, his sinlessness, and everything his father promised him. No secret promise you have made instead has shaken the foundation of his home. The winds will blow upon it and the rain will beat against it, but with no effect. The world will wash away, and yet this house will stand forever, for its strength lies not within itself alone. It is an ark of safety, resting on God's promise that his son is safe forever in himself. What gap can interpose itself between the safety of this shelter and its source? From here the body can be seen as what it is, and neither less nor more the inworth than the extent to which it can be used to liberate God's Son unto his home. And with this holy purpose is it made a home of holiness a little while, because it shares your Father's will with you. Thank you, Lori. And thank you. It, it is that time when we touch in with our lesson for the day. And so I ask you to give your attention to Fran as she leads us in Lesson 303. Uh, thanks for doing this every day, Fran. Well, thank you. Hi, everybody. We are in the second part of the workbook, and we have a new theme. What is the second coming? And the lesson for today is Lesson 303. The Holy Christ is born in me today. So I shall read some from What is the Second Coming? Then we'll go over to our lesson and do our five-minute meditation. <clears throat> what is the Second Coming? Christ's Second Coming, which is sure as God, <clears throat> excuse me, is merely the correction of mistakes and the return of sanity. It is a part of the condition which restores the never lost and reestablishes what is forever and forever true. It is the invitation to God's word to take illusion's place, the willingness to let forgiveness rest upon all things without exception and without reserve. It is the all-inclusive nature of Christ's second coming that permits it to embrace the world and hold you safe within its general advent which encompasses all living things with you. There is no end to the release the second coming brings, as God's creation must be limitless. Forgiveness lights the second coming's way because it shines on everyone as one, and thus is oneness recognized at last. We'll go over to the lesson. Lesson 303. The Holy Christ is born in me today. Watch with me, angels. Watch with me today. Let all God's holy thoughts surround me and be still with me while heaven's Son is born. Let earthly sounds be quiet 
and the sights to which I am accustomed disappear. Let Christ be welcomed where he is at home, and let him hear the sounds he understands and sees but sights which show his Father's love. Let him no longer be a stranger here, for he is born again in me today. Your son is welcome, Father. He has come to save me from the evil self I made. He is the self that you have given me. He is but what I really am in truth. He is the son you love above all things. He is myself as you created me. It is not Christ that can be crucified. Safe in your arms, let me receive your son. Lesson 303, The Holy Christ is Born in Me Today. Five minutes.
Lesson 303, the Holy Christ is born in me today. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Fran. Thank you, Fran. Thank you, guys. Thank you, friend, dear one. I'll just have to say one thing. I, I love when he tells us to let earthly sounds be quiet and the sights to which I am accustomed disappear. That's what we do today. I'm complete. Thank you. Sounds like a good idea. Mm-hmm. Thank you, friends. Thank you, friend. I, I like the very first line. This is Mindy. Um, watch with me, angels. Watch with me today. Let all God's holy thoughts surround me and be still with me. While heaven's daughter is born. And that precedes. Let earthly sounds be quiet. I love that. Um, I was wondering if you all could humor me. Every time I read the second paragraph about your son as welcome, Father, I wanted to replace it with daughter. And I'd like to know if I may read that for all of us women here. <laughs> okay with me. Okay. Is there anyone that has a problem with that? Only my okay. happiness is your happiness. Thank you. Yeah. I think I'm going to replace mother, father with father, God. Your daughter is welcome, mother, father, God. She has come to save me from the evil self I made. She is the self that you have given me. She is but what I really am in truth. She is the daughter you love above all things. She is myself as you created me. It is not Christ that can be crucified into your world. Let me receive your daughter, Christ. Amen. (laughs) Thank you. I resonate with that. Thank you. Beautiful. Thank you. Good morning. It's Harrison. This uh, lesson brings by memories of uh, my initial introduction to religion through the fundamentalist church, um, which uh, thought that we needed to be born again. And uh, it meant something a little different from what seems to be the meaning in this lesson. 
Um, I remember reading from the Bible. Uh, I think it was in the book of John about a Jewish leader named Nicodemus who uh, asked Jesus what did he need to do to be born again. And in my church, it was uh, to, uh, I needed to receive the Holy Ghost, uh, which was at 12, 13 years old, was something I didn't quite understand. But what the Course as I understand it, means about being born again is to make another choice. What got me into this mess in the first place was choosing to believe that I could be separate from God and from his creation. But what I'm learning from the Course is that if I choose to see myself through the eyes of Christ, I'm born again. Because I have awakened to the truth that God is my source. Not the ego, but God is my source. And when I do that, there's a shift. I then am choosing Jesus as my teacher instead of the ego. This lesson also reminds me of, of course, Christmas time, the birth of Jesus. And I was reading uh, from the gifts of God, uh, Helen's poems, uh, and she had written uh, a poem on Christmas Day. And she said, Christmas is holy only if you come in silence to the manger to behold your holiness made visible to you. Let the door to heaven open wide and hear the angels sing with peace on earth for Christmas is the time of your rebirth. Christmas doesn't just happen, have to happen on December 25th. 
it can happen any time that I allow the Holy Christ to be born in me. That can happen right now if I so choose. And finally, I just like to uh, say a few words about our meeting today. If we mind with me, as the course talked about the house built on strong of a fable, I guess you'd call it, about the three little pigs. Um, the first little pig built his house on straw, but a wolf came by and blew the house down and ate the pig. The second little pig built a house of sticks, but the same wolf came by and blew it down and ate the pig. The third little pig built a strong house of bricks, so when the wolf comes by, uh, comes to the door, he can't blow the house down. And that's the choice we have to make. Do we want to build a house of straw? In paragraph 66, he tells us your home is built upon your brother's health, upon his happiness, his sinlessness, and everything his father promised him. And he says at the end, and with this holy purpose, that is the purpose that God has given me. Is my home made a home of holiness? The body, this is the purpose God has given the body. And with this holy purpose, is it made a home, a home of holiness? a little while because it shares your Father's will with you. Ultimately, I will arrive, will arrive at a place where I accept totally with no equivocation that I am a holy son of God. I'm God's perfect creation, and that's all I am. And I lay aside the belief, and that's all it is, the belief that I am something else 
that I'm a body, I can be hurt, I can be sick. I lay that aside and recognize the truth of who I am. From here, the body can be seen as what it is, and neither less nor more work than the extent to which he can be used to liberate God's Son unto his home. This is the holy purpose of the body. I'm complete. Oh, that was so beautiful. Thank you so much. Thank you, Harrison. I I truly felt what you shared. Thank you. Morning. This is Charles. Yeah. This is Charles here. And you remind me of that story, Harrison, about uh, Nicodemus. And this is. When Jesus replied, that which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. And you feel the wind, but you don't know where it's come from or where it goes to as a representation of spirit. And when this lesson speaks of the stillness of being, the stillness which everything arises within, All thoughts arise from within the stillness. All sensations arise from within the stillness. And it reminds me of maybe three, four in the morning when darkness covers the land and you can hear the stillness behind all the sound. And to give my complete and unidentified undivided attention to that stillness of beingness that give rise to all sensations. Do I come to know the all-loving, almighty God? The trueness of that which is, which gives rise to all being. That knowing principle, the governing, operating principle. I come to know God's Son, the Christ, whom we all share as one. I would come to know the surety and the divinity and the internal nature of being. That which governs on a cosmic as well as a macro, giving forth design and expression to all things. Through the Christ, God's only begotten, are all things known. The awareness, pure awareness of being itself, where no thinking is required, just a still presence of awareness itself. The awareness of the Father's knowing aspect of being Within this 
I experienced Christ born anew, allowing all labels and stories to drop away, allowing all sensations to be as they are, knowing that which gives rise to all sensations comes from that which is, which is beyond any definition for that which is named cannot be true. Only that which is experienced can truly know the way, the truth, and the life. Thank you, Father. I am complete. Thank you. Thank you, Charles. Thank you so much, Charles. Yes, that was beautiful. Thank you, Charles. Thank you, Harrison. Well, it's um, June this morning and a rainy, windy, cloudy day in Maine and um, June in her body wrestling with the angels. <laughs> oh, um, you know, the, the, the text really um, illuminates my understanding of myself the truth of myself and how easily I can quiet the storm of the ego's loud voice. You know, pain can be very loud and um, disturbing and fearful. The dream that I am this body, that I am separate and alone, and who's going to come fix it? Who's going to come save me from it? Um, I call to Christ. I call to Christ. I call to peace within myself and knowingly um, that it's beyond, it's beyond the body and it's beyond Judy's mind. And I need not understand it. I just need to know it and apply it and bring myself home to it. And I love it in the in the second coming where it speaks of this gentle advent of allowing and letting, um, welcoming and inviting it, um, and letting it be, letting it be me and reveal to me myself, to my, myself. Um, when I'm not quiet, when I am disturbed, when I need it, when I see what needs not to be, that I need not be disturbed, that I need not be in pain, that I need not give witness to what appears to be real. And um, truly, truly, giving up and, and, and letting go of, of, of the value that I place upon the body is something that's becoming more clear to me. The significance of, of being relieved of this pain is, 
is, is, is losing its significance to me. That I don't let or allow the body to tell me that I need be disturbed, that I need be unhappy, that my happiness is contingent on it, that my peace is contingent on it. And standing fast and firm in the truth of being purely mind that rules my body, purely spirit that is gentle with this Judy self and in her appearances of suffering, that there is no suffering in my Christ mind. And that is where the healing comes from. It becomes more and more apparent to me every day that I have to allow myself to be myself in order to be healed of this, this apparition, this appearance of being a body, and not fight it or struggle or crucify myself with the body. I don't know if it said that in the text today, but it's something that came up in, in clear, in a clear idea in my mind. This body is not meant for me to crucify myself with, that it's used, its purpose is to liberate me from it unto my true home, which is being one with my Father in heaven, joined in that unity and that state of grace of oneness, where I share Christ and God's will for all my brothers and sisters, for every living thing, that love looks upon everything lovingly as itself, the one Son, the one creation, the one God, where there is only one and not two. Thank you so much for being with me. I really, really am grateful for you. You all being with me in this conference call, I couldn't do it alone. I know I can't. I'm complete. Oh, thank you so much. Oh, I agree. I'm grateful, too. Yeah, thanks, Judy. Thank you. Thank you for being with us, Judy. Thank you. Thanks, Judy. You're such an inspiration. Absolutely. We'll shine it right back at you, honey. Shine it right back. Thank you. <laughs> it's all about the goosebumps. Keep keep on shining on, guys. We're all the light. One in the light. Awesome. Love you. Bye. <laughs> Bring it. <laughs> Good morning. This is Sandra and... The Holy Christ is born in me today. And I might just change that as true forgiveness is born in me today. Because for me, the true forgiveness is, number one, me forgiving my circumstances, whatever they are. Um, And so for me to forgive my circumstances, I have to forgive God. So it has to start with me forgiving God. Um, And I have experienced that. I was really, really mad at God for many, many years. Um, But, you know, what I, my experience is that it comes off in layers and, um, and there's more layers. The next in line for forgiveness is myself. 
for buying into all these lies that the ego tells me. And then I can forgive my brothers. And when I get this forgiveness thing down, then I can true. And the only way I can truly get this forgiveness thing down, have true forgiveness, is for me to accept the truth of who I am, that I am not a body, that I am spirit, and I am free. And that's it, it, such a challenge when I'm it, when I'm having a body experience, which is the circumstances that I'm in. So it's it's again I I just I'm getting the connection and it's it's another layer that's all because I'll probably there'll probably be more layers that have to come off about me truly truly forgiving all those concerned. Uh, the other thing that, that did concern me is this last paragraph in the reading. Your home is built upon your brother's health, upon his happiness and his sinlessness and everything his father promised him. And I read that and heard it and read it again and I thought, ooh, that kind of sounds like enabling. And I know that enabling is not good for me and it's not good for the person that I'm enabling. And I don't think God wants me to enable uh, either. Um, And the only way I can get through that is true forgiveness, is to not to be identified with this body. Um, And it's usually about forgiving myself for, for perceiving that a brother has hurt me or abuse me however if I am perceiving that the solution for me is not necessarily to overlook it and enable but to forgive it and then take the proper action which might be I need to remove myself from the situation because of my inability to truly forgive until I can truly forgive, maybe I just need to remove myself from the situation. Um, and, tr- and, and the forgiveness is really, I mean, it's, it's the Christ. It's, that is the whole philosophy of, of truly forgiving came through the Christ. And the whole philosophy that I'm not a body, that I am free, came through the Christ. It came through Christ's example of his willingness to be crucified and on a cross and hanging there in in so much, you know, you might think so much body pain, but he just completely transcended it and said, Father, forgive them. They don't know that they're allowing their egos to be rule over them rather than the truth that God tells them of who they are. So, this is big stuff. <laughs> I've been doing it now for quite a few years, and I'm going to probably do it until the day I die. But it's good work, and I think it's the work of creating a whole new world and, an, and a new paradigm that's based in God's will for me, not in the ego's will for me. I'm complete.
Boy, that thank was you, yeah. Thank you, Sandra. Thank you, Sandra. Thank you. Thank you, Sandra. You remind me of something in the text where it says, um, only the good works and, and work the good. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, Sandra. If I, uh, you remind me of the desire for all to share basic rights to life, basic rights to beauty, basic rights to uh, uh, to, to pursue the, the the love of their heart, uh, the love of life to share with others, and I I see this this net of communities who come together, or who are no longer seeing people of classifications, people of differences, who are really sharing the commonness, common good, the common well-being, the common love for all. And I see the cry for that to be more and more to be the reality for everyone. From all that's being rose today in the world. And I truly feel that the connection we share within the web in which we connect ourselves in community really brings to manifestation what we feel inside our hearts that we desire for ourselves and for our brothers and sisters. And I know God's love, God's all-knowing presence brought all this into being, that we may know God's love is that which is bringing about the common good for all, in all, for all, with all. And the hearts will come to know this as the truth we share together on this planet, that this planet is here for the common good of all, as God intended it to be. With that, I'm complete. Thank you. Thanks for that. Thank you. Yes, thank you, Charles. That shared common good, uh, the good for all, one in, one in for all and all for one, um, that it's equal and evenly distributed in every mi- miracle. This morning I had, you know, this quote from Einstein that um, he said, either everything is a miracle or nothing is a miracle. And I think of miracles as being expressions of love and that God expresses himself in everything that I see and everything that I hear. So that um, keeps my mind in the awareness of love's presence. And being in that presence is Christ's consciousness to me. And um, presence with a capital P that, you know, I could forget myself and, um, you know, all, 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 all Judy's problems and concerns and worries and pain and anxieties go with it, with the um, forgetfulness of Judy. And, um, you know, it really it, it becomes uh, a beingness itself, the holiness being itself, the love being itself, the Christ being itself within me. And it's real. It's very 
um, always available. And uh, that's another thing in the um, the second coming reading. Thank you, friend. I love your voice. And you read those paragraphs two and three where it talks about, you know, the experiencing ourselves as being in bodies and, you know, how Christ's presence, second coming within us, being born in us in every holy instant, in the awareness of his presence within us, that everyone that's ever lived is living now or will live in the future will come together in that Christ's presence, you know, which speaks of time and space, that we're not in time and space, and this, this awareness of this love's presence is beyond the body and beyond the mind, and ever-present, and always has been, always is, and always will be. And I just love it. It's so all-encompassing. <laughs> it gets really magnitudinal <laughs> and holographic everywhere, always, at once. And that's what eternity is described as being in, in the course, everything all, already, always, at once. Um, enough out of me. I'd love to hear your shares, too. Thank you. Oh, that was great. Never enough. <laughs> Thanks, great. Judy. Thank Always you. love you. Thank you. Thanks, Judy. Christ in me is very still. Be still. Be still. And know God is.
terrorism. Yeah, the one really good thing about the course is that it tells me that I need to do nothing. There's nothing I need to do. Everything related to my salvation has already been done. In my creation, God made me his son. And that's all I am, regardless of gender, race, whatever beliefs I have or have had. I'm God's son. And this lesson tells me that my father has come to save me from the evil self I made. She is the self that you have given me. She is but what I really am. In truth, that's so soothing. So it doesn't matter what seems to be going on in my body, in other bodies, in the world. I should get caught up in what seems to be happening with my body what seems to be happening with other bodies, what seems to be happening in the world. But if I allow the Holy Christ to be born in me today, it all pales in comparison to the truth of who I am and who all of my brothers and sisters are, regardless of what appears to be their behavior. I have to just step back and see only the truth in all appearances. The truth is, God rules. God is in charge. The only thing that's true is what God created. And God created everything out of love. 
And so everything must respect, reflect that love. I'm so happy that I can see that at last keeps me from getting caught up in what seems to be going on in the world, what seems to be going on with my body, what seems to be going on without the body. I can let that go. This one who became says I've been to the mountain top. And I've seen beyond the visible. I've seen the truth of who we are. That the world I see holds nothing that I want. So thankful and grateful for you who are all my teachers. Helping me. reach the place that I am and the place that I want to be. To allow the Holy Christ to be born in me today, right now. I'm complete. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Harrison. Oh, wow, that was great. Thank you so much, Harrison. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Harrison. Mm-hmm. You remind me, Harrison, of what Jesus said, to take no thought for what you shall eat or what you shall wear, or what shall tomorrow will bring but to give you completely over to the laws of God's love. A gentle smile when you think of somebody, a kind way of being, a gentle loving blessing that you can share deep within you for life and those around you. If we keep our attention on the all-loving all present, ever knowing that we desire not only for ourselves, for our brothers and sisters to share in and refuse all the different promptings that would take us out of that and stay steadfast in that knowing. Um... I am sure of God's love would create ways and means for things to work itself out in a way that reflects that 
state of being, that state of mind that is steadfast in the knowing that God's love is everything and to be all-loving and all-knowing and all-kind in the blessings that we give throughout the day, however that may, however we may see that to be. Oh, because I know the challenge of all the different issues that go on within the body that would keep us from being steadfast in God's love. And, uh, well, thank you, Harrison. I appreciate your share. I'm complete. Oh, thanks for yours. That was great. Thank you. Thanks, Charles. Thanks, Charles. Thank you, Charles. You know, I, I missed yesterday's call and the reading of the secret vows and this um, undoing of fear, chapter 28, the whole of it, um, speaking of the gap, you know, and learning to look at myself, believing that I'm a body as a gap. I'm the gap, believing I'm the body and separating myself from all of God's creation for my brothers and my sisters. So not judging it, it, not judging my body as being, you know, something, you know, other than an instrument to liberate me from the illusion of it, but but seeing it as, as nothing, as neutral, as, as meaningless in and of itself. I don't hate it or I don't love it. And I do hate it and I do love it. And the Course teaches us that we... We, we love it and we hate it. It's that all love in the world is am, am, ambiguous because of this. We have this love-hate relationship, this special relationship, not only with my own Judy self, but then Judy in relationship to everything else. That the body represents the gap between the little bit of my mind, I call my own, and the rest of what is really mine. And, you know, you guys hear me say this all the time, that to judge any, any part of God's creation is to judge God, is to, is to judge all of it, at, because it's one and not in parts. And that's what the ego mind does. It judges parts. It's being different and, and dis, distinct. And we have, to, we have to, I had to, I don't know about anybody else, but... My journey and, and learning to understand, capital understand, what oneness and wholeness and completion meant to me experientially was to look past the differences and distinctions of denying what they call netty netty, that denying the denial of truth. Um, that's what I learned to understand what the Course was trying to teach me, that to deny the denial of truth, that I denied that I am a body, I'm not a body, in order to see it properly, to perceive it properly, in order to understand that it couldn't separate me, that it couldn't make me be alone, that was all something in my mind. And that um, when I really gave, 
gave up Judy the persona, a person as being in the body. I denied it and ignored it and said it was nothing that it is or neutral and merely a device of my own mind's using either to be separate or become one with all. Um, I could see myself more clearly and um, recognize I was just another bozo on the bus, that nobody is any more important or any less important than anyone else, that we're all significant and of inestimable value, that in order to, to understand what true forgiveness is, that I have to understand that everybody being in a body is suffering whether they know their Christ consciousness or not, because being in a pain, being in a body is painful. It's painful coming in, and it's painful going out. I shook hands with an old man yesterday going in the store. We're both lim- limping along, leaning on our canes, and we looked at each other and smiled, and, and he said, and they call these the golden years, and he was laughing, and I said, <laughs> hey, we're all going together. <laughs> We're all going through this together. And um, to recognize that, and to recognize that, you know, I've got that rascal in me, too, that likes to be mean and ugly and and judgmental and and nasty sometimes. It's gone down and gone away significantly. But, you know, in in retrospect, when I looked at a lot of my old behavior and a lot of my old thinking, I was quite hateful and incapable of just giving blessings, bringing love and blessings to everyone. So we grow in this awareness as we let ourselves be restored to our natural self, and it's relaxing, relaxing, relaxing in openness, open-heartedness and open-mindedness, that willingness to just be, to be peaceful and be okay with whatever's, appearing, because <laughs> pain appears, suffering appears, hate and, and war and vicious meanness, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm blessed, I don't, I'm, I'm not seeing it, and I don't know if it's disappeared or if it's just not around her, but to see it and to know it's not true, it's not real, not in heaven where my mind resides when I'm at home in Christ, when I can be still and be happy and be peaceful. My true factory settings. Oh, I love this. I love this course. Thank you, God. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Christ, for uniting us all in a state of grace, one-mindedness. Amen. I'm complete. Amen. I love your presence here, Jude. Thank you. Totally. Thank you for coming. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, thank, thank you. you. I was thinking as you were talking to Lynn, don't ask me why, but I, I was watching a program on um, TV yesterday. It was about, I don't know, how the the planet was formed and the history and the extinctions that have happened and it's being said that we're facing the sixth extinction. Um, and so I have to forgive the earth, too. 
because the earth is just doing her thing. She's just, you know, the earth goes through these changes. And um, in our in our wanting, in our egoic mind and us wanting to fix it and actually fix Mother Nature in her, in her natural order, we, we've created so many more problems instead of learning how to work with it, you know. And yeah, we're, there's going to be a lot, of, a lot of humanity that, you know, when we go through another extinction and, and through every extinction apparently somehow some life survives and then it begins again. Um, but it, it's just, you know, the only way to get through any of this is not to identify as being a body, you know? Um, and and to, just to know that, that we're just here to, to um, extend this loving energy. I'm just here to extend this loving energy. Let it begin with me. I extend it to myself first by taking good care of myself and, um, and then extend it to others. And, and what am I extending? I'm extending God's love. Nothing that I ever experienced on this planet am I extending. I'm extending what I think God's love may feel and look like to the best of my ability. And sometimes I mess up and whatever I'm extending, even though my intentions are good, because my intentions are always good, people don't hear it right or don't take it right and they feel judged or they feel condemned or they feel I'm attacking them or whatever. It certainly wasn't my intention. Um, my intention is always, how can I be helpful? Always. And sometimes... I mess up, and and my intention, even with this, with planet Earth, was how can I be helpful? Um, and so I, you know, I have permaculture gardens, and I'm organic and stuff like that. But who knows? I don't know what the solution is. I'm just doing it to the best of my ability. And um, true forgiveness, I forgive myself when I make mistakes. And true forgiveness, I instead of attacking you when you make a mistake. I got to really forgive you when you make a mistake too or or anybody. I don't mean you like anybody on this call, but just you know, all those who are other than myself, and there is no other than myself. We're all one. So this is a real adventure, I'll tell you. I'm complete. Thank you, friend. Oh, I love where that went. Sandra. Yeah, thank, thank you. you very much. Thank you, Sandra. Thank you, Sandra. You know, I've been contemplating this, you know, who's the accuser and who's the accused and who's the attacker and who's the attacked and, you know, this whole idea of everything we perceive is a projection of our own unconscious guilt. That's why we see all this sin and 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 hate and guilt in the world and but really it's our own. It belongs to me. It's it's my own self loathing and and the idea that I can be attacked and hurt. And you know, this reading yesterday so clearly speaks to that and that I'm sorry, I know you guys went through it yesterday, but where it says that's the secret vow with, which I made with every brother who would walk apart. It's it's the secret oath I take again whenever I perceive myself attacked. And I said it before that 
this body is not you was not made for me to crucify myself. So for me to interpret Judy's pain as crucifying her and hurting her is where the rubber meets the road. I have to learn that I'm just misperceiving the purpose of my body, that the purpose of my body is to help me to liberate myself from the illusion that I am a body in order to recognize my Christ consciousness. And I needed to say that again out loud because I'm really working on where the rubber meets the road. Thank you guys for being here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You know, it's I've I've talked to a couple of reverends in the Course of Miracles lately about this pain thing and um you know it's it states clearly in the text where you know, when we, when we stop blaming others for our discomfort or for disturbing us, that we point the finger at ourselves. And that's apparently what I'm doing with this pain body, but it's not so much the pain that's important. It's what the, the pain points me back to and pointing me back to Christ consciousness. And, you know, if I have to sit down and do absolutely nothing like Harrison said, then... The course, I know it says it somewhere, it says doing nothing is the greatest allegiance to your true self that you can possibly do. <laughs> so I'll sit and do nothing. Amen. I'm complete. <laughs> Thanks, Judy. Thanks, Judy. There's really nothing we can do. I mean if we're talking about doing something uh, in our form as bodies, um, we can't stop aging. We can't stop uh, sickness and death. It's it's all going to happen to bodies. But if I can just really accept totally without equivocation that my body is not me, that whatever happens to the body isn't happening to me. And just recognize that whatever the body seems to be going through has no effect on the truth of who I really am. I'm God's perfect creation. And that just doesn't apply to me. It applies to all of us who 
have seen ourselves as separate from God and from each other. So everything I say and think about myself is reference to everyone who thinks that they're separate, including, of course, myself. One of the most difficult things I experience with this teaching is divorcing myself from thinking that the, the back pain that I am experiencing is my reality. It's happening to me. No matter how many surgeries, how much physical therapy, um, how many shots I take, it will only temporarily as long as I believe that it's helping. And that's a mind thing. As long as I believe it's helping, it helps. But when that belief goes, the pain returns. And that's because I believe in what I totally calls the pain body. Such a great term. <laughs> that's what the body is for. It is there to keep reminding me of its reality. And it does that by any means necessary. One of those means is to make me think that I'm in pain. To make me believe that pain is real. To make me believe that I'm suffering. Or that others are suffering. If you don't want to get to the point of really knowing that you're not a body and that no one is a body and therefore all that relates to the body is an illusion. Everything. Then I think you have to find another course. 
because that's what this course is teaching, is that I have to mentally give up the idea that there is a world, that I'm a body, that I can be hurt in any way, that I can suffer, and that that's true of others as well. That's what the Course is ultimately teaching, is that I have to give up that whole belief system that surrounds the body. That's what I think. Amen. I'm welcome. I'm complete. And you're not wrong. You're very wow. clear. You're very, yeah, very clear. That was, that was so great, Harrison. Thank you so much. It's not in what I do. I'm sorry. 100% with you on that, Harrison. Thank you, Tara. Thank you. It's not in what I do, but what I am that truly is that makes the difference. We are raised by what we do can make a difference in this world. But now we come to realize through the Course is what I am that makes the difference in this world. And this amnesty is the shared amnesty we have with each other. And that our true self connects through the stillness of our being and not through the acts of our doing. And you made that very, very clear, Harrison. And the pain of the body is our belief in the doing making a difference instead of our being. To me, that's what I got at what you're saying. And I felt the pain in the belief in doing that makes a difference. Thank you, Harrison. I'm complete. Thanks, Charles. I really like that application. Thank you, Charles. Thank you. Really quickly, this is Sandra, and this is all applicable to emotional pain, too. I'm complete. Thank you. Yes. Oh, wow. Beautiful. Yeah, the perfection. Knowing our perfect, perfect happiness, perfect peace. Limitless joy. Oh, it's it's um, not of this world. Definitely, it's not of this world. And it, the Course teaches us not to seek it in this world, seek it in our body, seek it in the betterment or the glorification or the defamation of the body. You know, it's like totally not of this world. The truth of who we are is not of this world. But we're in it, and th- that's our our mistake that we see- we're seeking our truth in the body and in the world, and it's not going to be found outside of our capital true self. And the body is outside of that capital true self. You know, we're we're with 
we're within, I'm not going to stop there because the words start to muddy it, but the clarity is found in it, that it's not of this world, not of the body-mind, it's beyond it. I love that word, beyond, transcendental, but yet imminent. Amen. Beautifully said, Judy. Yes. Uh, this is this is mine, and uh, <laughs> yeah, I felt the I felt the pressure of time, and and uh, yeah, yeah, I see. I think with this, why this, you know, the reason to let the call run here at the end of this chapter. It's called the undoing of fear. And uh, since you've called for it a few times, Judy, um, uh, I, I went to the secret vows. And uh, I think I see here the entry to what I thought I was given to bring. And... <clears throat> That and in that section, the secret vows, it says the body represents the gap between the little bit of mind you call your own and all the rest of what is really yours. And I think this is pointing at the statement that all mind is one and all being is one and at that in that vision that conception of life and being as one there there's no cause for fear but we have the body representing a gap and the gap is a separation at the level of mind or being and that you know what the the ways he attempts to get us to understand that this gap is not the threat not the reality or the threat we make of it in this chapter is like to think of it as a as a what a ship does in the ocean um, he doesn't say it this way, but I think it's helpful. The ship creates a little gap in the ocean, but it's just in the surface. And as the ship passes, it closes in behind. And I think even in the world of form, to put the ship in the ocean actually raises the ocean level a tiny bit <laughs> everywhere. And it's... Uh, It's not, you know, it's not really there. And as it's put there, it passes. And the other way, he says, to look at the gap is it's put the gap and it contains nothing. Then, you know, 
is empty, not real. But if all is one, then the only thing left in that gap is God. And so this is the way to to look at what we fear and would separate from and call for this gap is to also remind us that everything is one and to seek that place as a foundation which is the cure which is where he ends up in this chapter is to look at what is real in the sense of being eternally certain is this unity And, you know, it's it's not the body's fault that we blame it <laughs> that for, for creating a gap in our view that we expect to be separate. Um, even though in form, you know, bodies are separate, but there's still this constant exchange to allow the body to live in exchange of air. There's, you know, the need to feed the body. It cannot live entirely alone. And so the gap is the gap is of our own making and it is truly in the mind this idea that we can be alone but even in that to really create the separation there must be that space of nothing which is is then filled and bridged and be a bridge appear there back to God and unity and and so, well, I, I think I'm, I think should stop there. But um, I think that uh, I'll, I'll actually conclude with the, what it gets to in the secret vows, where it says God keeps His promises, His Son keeps his. In in our creation, did our Father say, You are beloved of me, and I of you forever. Be you perfect as myself, for you can never be apart from me. And what we remember not is that we replied, I will even though in that promise we were born. And so the way back to God here in the next sentence is he will remind us of that promise every time we don't share the promise to be separate, but let our mind be healed and unified.
that what was made in creation returns to what I see as the what must be the original purpose is that we're here to explore relationships and it it can be a beautiful relationship but and I thank you all for being here and expressing so much of that this morning um, I'll end the recording here but not the call and uh, Thanks for being here.